the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So when, not if, the Columbus Dispatch goes out of business, and it will, uh, there will be a tendency for people to go, oh, it's terrible, the end of journalism, and oh, local icon. They will go out of business because, as uh, someone that I contacted this morning in law enforcement said about another story that I will um, analyze with you today, I ended my subscription to that rag, the person said, because they only present one slanted view of things. There are merits to most arguments. I present every day the merits to school choice expansion in the state of Ohio, funding school choice, giving parents some of the money that they pay to the state from local property taxes and other ways we fund schools. I favor giving, making available some of that money to parents so that they can send their kids to a school that they feel good about, a private school, a parochial school, or even homeschool. Look, I know there are many teachers and many people who believe in their public schools, and and there are public schools I believe in. I'm fortunate in another endeavor that I am involved with to cover a lot of outstanding high school sports teams. And a lot of the schools that I go in when I write about these outstanding teams and athletes and wonderful communities are fantastic schools because they have great teachers and coaches, great leaders, people who are really invested. And you know how I know that? Because they achieve not only in football, basketball, other athletics, because they achieve in a classroom. Now, I don't spend a lot of time writing about teams that lose because, you know what? They're not interesting. They're not successful. They're not committed. They're not talented. They're not working hard enough. Likewise, When I look at a school report card, and there are many school report cards out there, you can find them from the Fordham Institute, the Buckeye Institute. You can find a lot of school school websites out there that rate school systems. And I look at a school system. Let's look at one here. Let's pick one out of a hat, shall we? Oh, look at that. We picked Columbus City Schools out of a hat. (laughs) uh, Columbus City Schools reading proficiency score, 26%. Statewide average, 57%. 57%. Columbus City Schools average math proficiency score, 15%. What's the state average? Oh, it's 50%. Now, that's odd to me that they lag far behind in reading and math scores. Far, 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 far behind. Not just reading and math, they're in the bottom 50% of almost 900 school districts in the state of Ohio. The school district's Graduation rate in Columbus City Schools is 75%. Uh, Not good. Also in the bottom 50% of the state. Okay? So they're not performing. They're not performing. Well, they are performing in one area. They are performing really well in spending money. That's where they're really performing well at Columbus City Schools. I'll read it right off the uh, publicschoolreview.com slash Ohio slash Columbus hyphen city, hyphen school, hyphen district. 
I'll read it right to you. The revenue per student of $19,773 is higher than the state median of $15,024. The school district spending per student of $22,662 is higher than the state medium of $14,061. Now, what do we notice from these numbers? That the state medium spending per student, the state medium spending per student, state school districts all over the state, 900 schools, the median spending is 14061 The funding, the median funding is 15024 So throughout the state of Ohio, they are what? They are spending a little bit less, almost as much, but a little bit less than they are given for funding. But in Columbus, where they're not performing in reading and they're not performing in math, and it's really hard to do well in life if you can't read and you can't add. They spend three grand more per student than their budget. What do you call spending more than you're given and failing at your stated objective to educate kids? I, I, I gave away the answer there. The word is failing. That's what you call it, Okay. But in the city of Columbus, they are vehemently against it. They've joined a lawsuit against school choice in the state of Ohio. They don't want you as a parent to be able to take some of the money you're already paying for your student to go put your student in a public school or put your student in a private school, parochial school, or homeschool your kid. And, of course, they have the enlisted help of Anna Staver of the Columbus Dispatch, which refuses to tell any side on the positive portion of the equation ever about school funding. They give a slanted anti-view because they're enslaved to the teachers' unions. And so eventually the Columbus Dispatch will go out of business because, well, you should be serving all your readers, not just half of them. 42% of funding for education in the state of Ohio comes from local school districts, your property taxes and all that stuff, Okay. But the state pays 100% of the vouchers now given to students. And the way that the opponents of school funding say is they, they look, at, well, look, look, the state can't afford it. The state can't afford to fund school choice. And you know what? Eventually you might be right. Right now we've got a surplus in the state of Ohio. We haven't had a recession yet. We will have. But right now the state has the money. They've got COVID money. The state can fund it right now. But they, meaning the Teachers unions and Columbus City Schools, Cincinnati Public Schools, Dayton City Schools, Cleveland City Schools, they've joined the lawsuit against school choice because they don't want the wheels to start moving toward you getting used to having money to offset the cost of a private school education. And so the way they position it is to say, well, the state can't afford it. The state can't afford it. Well, you know what? You know what? Maybe the state could afford it going forward. They can afford it now, but they could, that maybe if there is a economic downturn or something, you know why they're afraid. They're afraid of you coming for that local school funding to fund ed choice. And I don't have a problem with taking some of their funding away because, tell me, does it make any sense to anyone with a functioning brain cell that Upper Arlington, Olentangy, name your district, name your district. You got a kid in the Upper Arlington schools. And you decide, I'm no longer going to send my kid to Upper Arlington schools. I'm going to send him to Watterson. 
and the state gives, let's just pull a number out of a hat. The state gives 15 grand to Upper Arlington for every student that goes to Upper Arlington schools. And you would think, wouldn't you, that you're not, as a customer, quote unquote, a customer, you're not buying what Upper Arlington schools are offering an education of your kid. You're like, no, 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 thanks. I don't want to, I don't want to buy that Upper Arlington education. I want to go over here and buy a Waterson education. You would think, right? You're probably going, well, I, I see why Upper Arlington schools are against that because then the 15 grand they're getting for my kid from the state of Ohio now is going to not go to Upper Arlington schools. You would be logical. You would be forward thinking, but you would also be wrong because Upper Arlington and every other school district in the state of Ohio continues to get the money for your kid going to that public school even when your kid doesn't go to that public school. That is a ridiculous, ridiculously stupid business practice. Although very lucrative for the particular public school district that continues to get the money for kids they're not educating. It makes no sense at all. So, of course, Democrats want it to continue. Danny Isaacson, Democrat Cincinnati. The math doesn't add up for universal vouchers unless you take money from other essential state services. Even vouchers going as high as we're going in the budget is a deeply fiscally irresponsible way to subsidize private education. No, it isn't. It is if you continue to give money to public schools that aren't educating that number of kids because 10 of them or 15 of them or 20 of them or 100 of them have pulled out because your education in the public schools stinks. And the fact that the parents don't want to see transgender flags in classrooms and they don't want to have smutty books in the school library and they got a myriad number of reasons to pull their kid out of the school district, make a case. Other than your own greed and your own incompetence, why you should continue to get that money from the state of Ohio to educate a kid who says to you, no thanks, I don't like the product you're selling. We'll go get our education somewhere else. My fear with continued democratic rule of the city of Columbus or of the United States of America is uh, the eventual eradication of common sense. And while I talked about this murder victim once before in the context of the uh, Methodist, quote-unquote, minister who decried the murder of a homeless man because he was, in this Methodist minister's mind, uh, someone who did not deserve to be murdered because he was a great guy and everybody at the church loved him, and I made the point, well... If y'all loved him so much, why did you let him exist as a homeless man? Why didn't somebody offer him a place to live? Even their own garage would have been better than having him squat in somebody else's garage who did not know him, who, when they encountered him, reacted, I presume, out of fear and shot and killed him. Uh, But, of course, uh, the uh, homeless man in question... Um, must be extolled uh, to a greater degree by the pathetic excuse for a newspaper that is the Columbus Dispatch. And so today, uh, 
we have an opinion piece by a person named Scott Woods, who uh, is uh, self-styled as a poet, cultural critic, essayist, and founder of the arts nonprofit Streetlight Guild. I bet that brings in some lucrative government grants. And so he writes about, (laughs) eventually, because it takes forever to get to the point, the murder of this uh, 60-ish-year-old homeless man named Kevin Smith. But first, of course, the writer of the editorial, Scott Woods, has to go through and uh, demean and diminish Columbus as a city that has an identity that is, uh, in his mind, and I quote, a giant ATM for developers and investors. He says, Columbus's basic function for many years has been to act as a giant ATM for developers and investors. Now, I'm not agreeing that that's factual, but let's just say it is. If you cater to developers and investors, what will you get from that? Will you get neighborhoods strewn with uh, homeless people, crime, drugs, feces? Uh, No, because nobody wants to live in neighborhoods like that. So if, in fact, Mr. Cultural Critic, I wonder what that pays, by the way. How do I get a gig as a cultural critic? Um, So, Mr. Cultural Critic, if you cater, as you contend, to developers and investors, you will likely get really nice places because capitalism works like this. If you build a nice neighborhood, beautiful sidewalks, flora, fauna, stores, coffee shops, people tend to congregate in those areas. But if those areas become infested with crime and homeless people and drugs and needles and feces, the attendance and patronization of those neighborhoods tends to diminish quickly. Uh, Mr. Woods, the cultural critic, writes, We are not a collection of walkable neighborhoods or caring infrastructure. We're not? We're not a a collection of caring infrastructures? Now, I don't know what he means by a caring infrastructure. Here's my definition of a caring infrastructure, okay? As long as I can walk past a building and the building doesn't fall on me and kill me, then I got to say... Thank you, Mr. 30-Story Building. Thank you for not falling on my head and killing me. That's really all I care about. Don't fall on my head. But Scott Woods apparently wants you to get a hug from the infrastructure or whatever. Uh, We are not a city of service-led leadership, he says. Well, then to that I respond, whose fault is that? If our leaders are not serving... Let me calculate this. Uh, Our mayor is what? Oh, he's a Democrat. Our law director, what is he? Oh, he's a Democrat. Uh, Everybody on the police oversight review board? Shocking. All Democrats. Everybody on city council? Also Democrat. If we lack service-led leadership, Mr. Cultural Critic, maybe you ought to call him out by political party and affiliation and ideology, just like I did. Uh, He says, though, uh, we are not a we are a bank card. That's what we are. That's our cultural identity. Mister Cultural Critic writes in the Columbus Dispatch. But he says if our goal is to be a more equitable city, well, I'm sure that's your goal. 
a more cultural city. <laughs> yeah. A more historically aware city. Mm, sounds impressive. Well, then he says we need to build out services that make living here better. Ah, the old government can fix everything ideology. We need to build out services that make living here better. I got news for you, champ. People make a city better, not the services a city offers. It's the people that make a city better. And then we get finally, after exhausting way too many of my brain cells to make sense of this nonsense, we get to the point of the homeless man who was shot in the garage of a person whose permission he did not have to sleep in the garage. And, of course, we get the long litany of what a great human being this guy was, and he had a law degree, and he was a contributing member of the Southside community, and blah, 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 blah. And this guy writes, Kevin Smith did not have to die in the garage he used for a night of shelter. He was not a hobo bouncing from one city to the next. He was perfectly capable of accessing services if they were where they should be. Well, yeah, it should have been in the church that he was going to. But here's the deal. If you're writing about the identity of a city, and you're also writing about the uh, lack of a city having the right identity because a homeless man was shot and killed in the garage of someone whose garage he did not have permission to sleep in. Does it ever occur to you, Mr. Cultural Critic, to ask, why is that homeowner so terrified that there's a homeless man sleeping in his garage? I will give you the answer, just because I really care about you coming out of the darkness and into the light. The reason why that homeowner shot that guy in his garage is because we have a city awash in crime that is not punished, whether it's stealing cars, whether it is murders, whether it is drug deals, whether it is gang activity. We have a city awash in crime, which terrifies the law-abiding citizens of Columbus. And if we lived in a safe city and people weren't reading headlines every day about a 22-year-old store clerk who was murdered by a 24-year-old and a 17-year-old, or we didn't have 14-year-old kids crashing stolen cars and dying, if we didn't have young black women shot to death at Bicentennial Park at a dance party by a drive-by shooter who is still and never will be caught because people in his neighborhood won't rat him out, even though they know who he is, and we have... Mackenzie Ridley shot at a squirt gun party on the east side and also her murderer has never been brought to justice and never will be because his neighborhood won't rat him out. Then the electorate tends to get very afraid, Mr. Cultural Critic. And when what might be an otherwise harmless person is found sleeping in their garage, they react with fear and terror because those are the headlines that they see all around them. And they see those headlines because crime is not punished in this city. Now, that's the identity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.